From COK Studios in Don Gagne's mudroom, this is Consider Our Knowledge. I'm Connor Bentley. And I'm Dinah Jones-Mallow. On today's show, we'll consider President Obama's announcement about the renaming of Alaska's Mount McKinley. We'll also consider the health risks of going back to school with Alex Truman in a new installment of our Consider Your Health series. And we'll consider Where's the Beef? Stay with us. Support for Consider Our Knowledge comes from Ball Gags Etc., now selling special wedding night packages for newlyweds who want to get a little freaky. Order now and get a free tub of Caramel Sutra Body Spread. Ball Gags Etc., the safe word is savings. And All Bling Considered, your home for flashy, ostentatious, and elaborate hip-hop jewelry. Consider that money ain't a thing if you ain't got that bling. This is Consider Our Knowledge. I'm Connor Bentley. And I'm Dinah Jones-Mallow. On Monday, President Obama announced that Mount McKinley, the tallest peak in the United States, would return to its traditional Alaskan native name, Denali. In a public announcement of the name change in Anchorage, Obama explained that the redesignation of the peak recognizes the sacred status of Denali to Alaska natives going back generations. Joining us to discuss the history behind the name of Mount McKinley, or Denali, is Denali National Park Ranger Bob McDowell. Bob, thank you for joining us today on Consider Our Knowledge. You're welcome! So, why McKinley? He was our 25th president, yes, but he was born in Ohio and never even set foot in Alaska. Yeah, that's actually not correct. Uh, McKinley had a cabin on the mountain that he visited every summer. He loved it up there. He'd fish and have giant opium-fueled parties with naked native women. He also tamed wild elk and roundhouse kicked bears in the face. McKinley was Alaska. Really? Well, because I read that in 1896, a prospector returned from exploring the mountains of central Alaska and got word that William McKinley had been nominated for president. To show his support, the prospector declared the tallest peak of the Alaska range as Mount McKinley, and the name stuck. Yeah, that sounds wrong. I think they named it after McKinley because he was the first president to summit the peak and then make sweet love to his wife up there. The thin air made it difficult, but he got the job done. That's why having sex at high altitudes is called McKinleying. Boom! That can't be right. Who's the park ranger here? Anyway, McKinley was the man. He's way underrated. In fact, if he hadn't been shot in 1901, I think he'd be remembered as our best president. He was just getting started. Are you sure? It seems to me that McKinley's death, while tragic, ended up being a good thing for this country. It ushered in the presidency of one of our greatest presidents, Theodore Roosevelt. Yeah, but are there any mountains named after him? Huh? Well, he is on Mount Rushmore. Big deal. Did he do all the stuff McKinley did? Like passing the Dingley Tariff Act? No. No, he didn't. Can I ask you why you seem so obsessed with McKinley? I'll be honest. I'm his great-great-grandson. My name's actually Bob McKinley. This mountain is all we have left, Miss Mallow. Please don't let him take it from us. Please? I'm sorry, Mr. McKinley, but it's too late. President Obama already renamed it. (laughs) But Denali isn't anywhere near as cool as Mount McKinley, and it's been called McKinley since 1896. The native people have been calling it Denali for centuries. But we McKinleys have so little. It's not like we're the Kennedys. 
The only thing we're known for is that President McKinley died of gangrene after being shot. It's not fair. Well, tell that to the native people who had a beloved mountain renamed in favor of a man who had never even seen it. Ugh, fine. I guess I'll just go back to Ohio. But I'm going to find another mountain in another state that has nothing to do with my great-great-grandfather and name it after him. Stealing from native peoples and reappropriating things is what we white Republican cultural elite do. You'll see. I'm going to do it. Don't try and stop me. Good luck with that. That was Bob McKinley, deranged relative of 25th President William McKinley. Now we turn to our Consider Your Health series. Back to school time is both exciting and nerve-wracking for students, parents, and teachers. With school back in session across the country, our own Alex Truman is here to take listener questions on how to stay healthy this school year. Hello, Cutter. Well, we've got some great questions today, so let's just start with the first one. Before we start, I just want to say that going back to school is a dangerous and often deadly proposition. And the minefield of health risks is only getting larger each year. I can't stress that enough, Cotter. Okay. Our first question is from Porter in Bangor, Maine. Hello, Porter. Hi, Alex. I was wondering what your thoughts were regarding school lunch. I know a lot of states are trying to make food more healthy and taste better, but I know that it's hard to make school lunch affordable and good for our kids. School lunch can be tough. Believe me, I know. When I finally started attending school in eighth grade, I was appalled at the options in our cafeteria. Having such severe food allergies made it almost impossible for me to enjoy eating lunch with my classmates. But even if I had been able to eat cheese, nuts, stoned fruits, shellfish, taco seasoning, and whatever orange drink is made out of, I would have been hard-pressed to choke down the hot lunch options. That's my point. The lunch is just not what I'm comfortable feeding my kids. Where's the kale or artisanal cheeses? I mean, the food is a travesty. School is ruining my kids' palates. It doesn't seem like your food concern is health-based. So why don't you just do what my parents did, and many others already do, send your kids with homemade lunch? I guess, but I really feel like it's the school's job to provide locally sourced, free-arranged, tasty options for our kids. I mean, they don't even provide truffle oil for the kids to dip their chicken fingers in. What are they supposed to use? Ketchup? Schools should begin catering to kids with sophisticated tastes. I see... Healthy food is key, but so is a fabulous dining experience. My son's first word was umami. Again, I just say to pack your kids' lunches. Then you could be sure they're having the kind of food you're comfortable with. Thanks, Porter. Our next question is an email from Pauline. She wants to know how to keep her kids safe from lice at school. Ooh, lice are a very troublesome problem, and most children are susceptible because they engage in unclean behavior. The best way to avoid lice is to do what I did as a child. Stay home in a germ-free plastic bubble. But I know that's unlikely. Even though the bugs are basically harmless, being infested is gross, and you will get a reputation as a dirty kid around the schoolyard. The best way to combat lice is to blow lots of hot air on the head of the affected person. Lice need moisture to live and lay eggs. So dry hot air is the answer. That makes sense. Yes, it will save you from all of the time picking nits and repeatedly delousing your disgusting children. Thanks for the email, Pauline. Finally, we have a call from Tracy, who is a first-year kindergarten teacher. 
Hi, Alex. I'm worried that my immune system won't be strong enough to fight off all the bugs and viruses that my students will bring in this year. What can I do? Well, Tracy, you've got two choices. You can attempt to fight off every single germ that comes into your classroom by wiping down every book, toy, and surface with disinfecting wipes, use hand sanitizer like it's going out of style, and drink lots of fluids all year long. Or? Or you can embrace the germs. This goes against everything I believe in, but I think your best option is to try and inhale, touch, and ingest any and all germs you can. Teachers are going to get sick, period. Especially first-year teachers, so I just say, bring it on. Really? Why fight the inevitable? If you fight the germs, you'll just be back in this same position next year. I say you just give in and snag all the germs you can from your students. If my immune system hadn't been so compromised from my childhood, I might have pursued a career in teaching. Is your immune system good? I guess so. Share milk with the kid with the runny nose. Don't use hand sanitizer. Heck, you may want to lick the doorknob of your classroom occasionally. Your classroom is a petri dish full of all kinds of parasites, viruses, and bacteria. So you might as well embrace it and grow something else in there. An insanely strong immune system. Good luck, Tracy. Well, as always, we're grateful for your insights, Alex. My pleasure. That was Consider Your Health with Alex Truman. That's it for this week's episode of Consider Our Knowledge. If you want more from the best-looking news team in public radio, go to our website, considerourknowledge.com, for more news and stories. You can also get breaking news from the COK team on Twitter, at ConsiderOurKnow. You can also like us on Facebook and subscribe to the podcast at iTunes and at Stitcher Radio at Stitcher.com. If you'd like to donate to Consider Our Knowledge, go to our homepage and click the Support COK button. There you can make a $5 monthly donation via Patreon. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Connor Bentley. In fact, if you hadn't been... (laughs) In fact... In fact... (laughs) 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 (